0: What's up, everyone? back for episode three. What's going on, ladies and gents? How are we doing today?
1: Yo, you ever have those moments where you're just at work or, you know, on a lunch break, whatever it is, or just even just bored at the couch and you're just like, yo, I could be fishing right now or I should be fishing right now?
0: Just about every fucking day.
1: Yeah, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like it just... it comes too much nowadays, I guess. I don't know if it's that I'm, I'm working more or whatever the case is, but it's like I open up my phone, I see somebody catching a fish, and I'm like, damn, that should be me right now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it, it's cool to see that people are still catching. Obviously, they're harder to find, but they're definitely out there still on, on a striped bass level. Um, but what I find, whether it's the season just winding down or it's just the time of the year, from january to like march every single year this is like the hardest stretch to get through yeah even if it's fishing aside fishing is obviously what we do and that's how most of the year passes because we're out three four days a week at a minimum right um but this stretch of the year it's like you have martin luther king weekend you have Uh, President's Weekend, and then you don't have like a day off supplemental to a weekend until Memorial Day.
1: Yeah, and then once March rolls around, it's just like, I feel like the year goes from, let's say right now we're on a speed of like, you know, if it's the scale 1 to 10 right now, the speed is probably like a 4. Once March rolls around and the weather starts to get nicer and the days get longer, I think that's the ticket to everything is the longer days. I really feel like the year just... Zooms by like that speed picks up to like maybe an eight, even a seven,
0: yeah, and you 're just having um, more fun, you know yeah. time time passes when you 're having fun yeah I mean the weather's winter 's cool in a lot of ways, I appreciate it from I would say the end of November through Christmas, and then like even to the beginning of January, but once like. Yeah. That we have this three day weekend coming up. Um,
1: yeah, after the stretch, it's it all the that, top. It's like, damn. I mean, I'm fortunate because my birthday's in that stretch, so it's right. like I have a little something to look forward Valentine's to. Valentine's Day, nice. boy, over Valentine's here. Valentine's Day, that's nice too. You know, Vin's or, a lover boy. Yeah, for real, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, I, me personally, I mean, I know other people think otherwise, but like, I just like the snow too, and I feel like growing up as a kid, we had more experiences in the snow, and you know, it kind of gave you that sense of like, all right. You know, this is actually winter, whereas nowadays everything is just dry. We get a rainy day here and there and it's just cold and it's just like, all right, let's let's yeah. let's just fast forward through this, you know? Nah. Like, I don't know if it's just I'm getting older or it's just like, yeah. I just want to get past this, you know? Yeah.
0: And I, I mean, I appreciate all seasons. Of That's course. like one of the coolest things about being from New York. I guess we have the... Yeah, we get a feel for everything. Fall, spring, right. summer, and winter. Very clear, delineated seasons. There's opportunities fishing-wise. Right. And all four of them. Yeah, no. Um, and it, it's cool because as far as species go, and I think we talked about this on episode one a little bit. But as far as species go, as soon as you're like getting tired of doing something and tired isn't maybe the right not word. Not necessarily you tired, do it, but, but I know what you mean. But like, it's like we've been right, doing this, this same yeah. shit for two, three months yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you have the opportunity to transition over to something else and, you know, work on some other uh, characteristics or different applications of your game, so yeah, absolutely, and I,
1: you know, we're grateful for that as New Yorkers, like you know, Northeasterners in general, like yeah, Jersey to you know, what Mass, maybe Massachusetts, maybe yeah, you could even stretch it a little bit more north of that, maybe even like South Maine, like yeah, we get like they, that they have nice like, swing. You know, the
0: only problem is, is you start to work up that far north, they have like actual winters a, a real winter right. and sometimes they could drag a little bit or they set in a little earlier the migration's a little harder to time because the fish are moving through there and they're on their way out right, especially right. at the end of the year um like you see it every year this this year we were seeing the end of their season when things were just starting to pick up here right i, I mean as you'd expect but imagine not catching stripers like the end of November or December, like Thanksgiving. Right, is... Yeah. They start
1: to close out, but again, they also start seeing them in August. Right. Uh, Well, late August, early September, you know, depending how North you go, like I'm talking like Maine, Yeah. you know, you start to see the, the stripers going from the mouths of the rivers over there into the Atlantic and then, you know, working their way down to the Cape. So I guess, you know, you just got to be grateful for wherever you're at. Yeah. And you know, everybody's got their seasons. You know what I mean? Like, we could say, yeah, this is the best, this is the worst. Like, I know a big debate amongst fishermen, like, is the spring and the fall. Because yeah. of what, you know, some people are like, oh, I like the spring bass better, I like the fall bass better. I don't know, me personally, this year in 2023, or last year, I should say, I keep saying this year, yeah. the same thing on the last pod. It's, it's crazy, good. It's like, like
0: when, when you were a kid and you used to write the date on the right. top of all your papers, right. and for and the first month, like, all January, out the, you're yeah. always crossing out the no, last No, for year.
1: real. And it, you know, I mean, whatever, but... Uh, I think it's also that, you know, we, when we're in this pod, we go into strict fishing mode. I mean, we're always in fishing mode, right? But we really hone in. And I'm thinking, like, the new year for me is like, what, March? Like when the new bear season starts (laughs) up, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, you know, when, uh, you know, blackfish start to make their turn and, and, you know, you're getting trout now, like, more consistently. I mean, you know, in the areas, like, in the small brooks and all that. I mean, this guy's catching. Fish that we just mentioned across the board everywhere, um, and those are the guys that are really putting in the work, grinding. Like I know there's guys right now catching white perch and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and that's all great. Um, I've seen actually quite a few the last couple of weeks here on yeah. the island. A lot of those white perch, yeah. like that winter bite, yeah. Most tidal pick up. creeks
1: and all that. Um, and again, that ties into what we were saying: how the winters aren't really what they used to be, and. It's just a lot of factors that go into it, whether it's environmental or a lot of people argue that there's, you know, different migration patterns as, as the years pass. You know, fish just tend to take different routes and migrate and mate differently. But then, like, like I said, it ties back into that debate of spring and fall. You know, everybody or most people have uh, what's, what they prefer over the other. But like I was saying for 2023, honestly, for me, it, it treated me pretty much evenly. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it today, you know, on the way over, um, what was the better season for me? I mean, listen, summer's also great too, right? Because of all the exotics that we get, or yeah. at least the touch of the exotics that we touch, get.
0: Touch, that's, let's emphasize touch. Yeah,
1: emphasis on touch for <laughs> sure, um, but spring and fall are really, that's when you get, you know, you're slamming short species for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the bass, blackfish, fluke, bluefish, you know, the big four, Yeah. um, and yeah, I, I mean, look for tough. me.
0: For me, I I definitely appreciate the fall every year. I'd say I go into the year expecting the fall to be better than the spring, um, and that's for a variety of different reasons. Just historical, personal past. That's that's what it seems to have been for me. But I think the 2023 year, our spring was fucking phenomenal.
1: I was just about to say. I honestly, I. In the previous years, my answer would have agreed with you in the sense that I always look to the fall more.
0: Yeah, but you just expect it. to Last be better,
1: year and now this year, I honestly, I look forward to the spring a lot because yeah. you know, as anglers as like like that we are, that we put in the time and effort that we do, and you know, there's a lot of guys that do even more than us. Yeah, uh, that fish you know on an everyday basis, uh, and great for those guys. But it's also like in the spring, you know, when you have this little rest period, I mean, I know, like we said, there's guys still out there going crazy, going, you know, as much as they can. And that's great. But, you know, when you get this little rest period and then all of a sudden March rolls around and it's like game on, it's time to, you know, dust off the boots and put the waders on. And, you know, I mean, yeah, we we do winter fishing, but really hone in on those late nights, early mornings. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something more, I guess, the anticipation, you know, I, what's I playing through in your mind. And then yeah. when you get to the fall, not that you're beat up necessarily, but you're ready. All right. Like, when are they coming? You know? Right. Whereas with the in the spring, it's like there's more of a hunt because you're like, did they show up? Yeah. And then you see a guy catch and you're like, okay.
0: You hit it like right on the nose. Right? I, th- I think... uh the spring, too, and you said, for lack of a better term, you know, you're burnt out or whatever. Right, not
1: necessarily that like you're tired, After but... the
0: spring, like, when the spring rolls around, right. you've, you've had, like, a whole winter of hibernation and fucking a thousand hours on YouTube videos right. and, and it's just like, all, all the right, shit I'm ready that to, you're, to you're training. you tied every knot a yeah. thousand times. Right. You're rigging all your gear because that's all you can do. <laughs> um, but by the time spring comes around, you, you have, like, this new clean slate. You have a, a, a new plan for the next season in front of you and it's you have the next eight to ten months to just bang out and catch as many fish as you can
1: and i i honestly really noticed this a lot this year um and you know we'll talk more about shark fishing but that's really where i noticed it um because i feel like last year when we were shark fishing or just i should just say like chunking off the beach, because, you know, there's always that idea, like, oh, what if we get this? What if we get this? Right. You know, I rays mean, come along, you know, there's guys catching cobias off the beach very rarely, but, like, there's so many things that go on, you know, a school of max pass by, whatever. There's endless opportunities in the summer, but it gets to a point where you're like, all right, you know, I caught a bunch of sharks, bunch of stingrays, you know, I, I saw blues in the surf, I got a few flukes along the way. And it's like, all right, you know, and you kind of wait for that turn to roll around, and then it's fall. Yeah. But what kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, like you said, like, not that it sucks, but we kind, of, I mean, it's just nature taking its course. Then when the fall is over, you're like, all right, damn, like,
0: what do I got, what now? Do I got
1: now? Like, yeah. yeah, you know, we go upstate, we go, you know, trout fishing with X, Y, Z, but, you know, or you go in the creeks, you go for white perch or holdover bass, and it's all good stuff. But then the spring is like that ending period, all that means is now you're preparing for those sharks, those warm water, those exotic fish. Right. It's like And you're yo, like going
0: into that with a clean head. It's right. it's the first time you're gonna see him for the year. Right. But I think you hit it on the head. And, and one point I wanna talk about a little bit, um, shark fishing. Right? We've done a lot of it. Yeah. Um
1: we definitely exhausted it. And uh, and it's, it's a ton of fun.
0: Don't and let's let's preface this whole perspective with it's a lot of fun you go out you catch them they rip drag they give you a hell of a time but as i personally am expanding and growing as an angler i find that chasing something like a shark that doesn't really require a lot of skill to hook up to right because it's just a bloody well, bait in the water and you're chunking and, you know, you're, you're, so chunking convened, and right? you're either lucky or you're not um, doing something like that versus, you know, chasing a trophy species like a striped bass or any any inshore species down the entire East Coast with artificial lures and changing your game plan and positioning your day based around conditions. That stuff is so much more rewarding than hooking up to you know, an eighty pound brown shark or dusky right off the beach. And I, again, I have so much fun doing that. But I find now that as we're talking about that transition, spring, I'm, I'm dialed in, I'm, I'm focusing heavy on stripers. And you said blackfish, we'll get into that. I'm not even <laughs> looking at those things. I'm kidding. But, um, you know, as we get into summer, it's like fun for a couple of weeks. And right. then my mind's right back into when All right, I, I, I want to the target these bass again, you know. And we, we yeah. got a great run of bluefish too, which we we've we talked about. Which is on sometimes our first it's couple a surprise, of which wasn't yeah. a couple years ago, but recently a couple of years ago a that surprised. was like a nuisance. But like we saw some bites this year where, or this past year where you're catching 10, 15 fifteen pound bluefish for four or five hours straight. Yeah, where you that just stop shit is so hurt. much right. fucking fun, dude. Yeah. So much fun.
1: Yeah, and, and back to what you were saying about shark fishing. For me, the way I look at it is I love shark fishing, but for different reasons. I love it because of the mystery that comes with dropping that bait or soaking that bait uh, in the sense that, you know, yeah, nine times out of ten, it's, it's a brown that's all riled up. It's a five-foot brown that's going to pull drag for, you know, th- three minute, you know, whatever, three, four-minute fight, five-minute fight. If it's a bigger one, but it's always that one out of ten, you know, when you hook that, that big sand tiger in the middle of the yeah. night when you're exhausted and you got to dig down deep. You know, yeah, they don't fight as hard, but they're just like
0: big, massive beasts. Yeah, and handling those and things handling is so them. much fun. Um,
1: The idea of hooking into something different, uh, you know, a different type of species of shark. I was out one night this year and I don't know, we didn't get the chance to land it, but we started seeing like the dorsal and the shadows of it. And, you know, this thing was pulling like I'd never experienced before. I was personally thinking that it was a different type of shark species. I don't even want to say the word bull shark, but there was one caught yeah. recently to this event. Um, so oh, that was just an idea. Yeah, no. They're, and they're definitely mov- here. They're moving their way up into New York waters. Um, you know, they're here already.
0: One. There was that big one caught off of uh, Nickerson Beach. What was it? Two, two three years ago? Yeah, three, that was, it was three, like a nice eight-foot
1: bull or something. There was yeah. a Juvie White caught. Um, which is insane. I mean, that's no news to us in the sense of whites being here. There's great whites in, you know, Long Island waters, uh, especially near the Cape, you know, when you go further up the Sound um, yeah. and you get into the ocean front over there. Outside of Montauk, there was hammers. Uh, I was not out. The
0: hammers in Montauk this year were yeah, like a insane, serious problem.
1: A serious problem for a lot of boaters. Um, not necessarily too close to the surf, but even by the surf, there was big browns, big duskies hanging out. You know, I was there one day in Montauk just... Just popping for blues, and there was sharks literally ripping the blues off the plugs. Yeah. That's how close they were coming. And they, you know, and it's incredible to see. Like when people start talking about, you know, sharks are dangerous, this, this and that. There's you're talking twenty guys in the water, fishing for blues, bloody bluefish, the sharks, oily bloody, o- oily bloody blues, yeah. and a lot of guys were landing them and releasing them. And when you release it, you know, you're pulling a treble out of his mouth. It's still bleeding. Right. And you're talking sharks that were coming within three feet of the, of these anglers, one of them being myself, and they they showed no interest in us. So yeah. that's not to say that they aren't dangerous. You always have to pay them their respect, but I think they get a bad rep, and that's another reason why a lot of shark fishing is like frowned upon too in Long Island. I mean, in Florida, it's a you know they're the tax man, the tax man everywhere. But- yeah, I,
0: I mean and. We said the the hammerhead issue. I, right, there was stories of guys losing stripers at the boat to great hammers. To great hammers, right? Great hammers are you know they could be they 15 14, 16 15, feet. 17 feet Yeah, more even. So to see something of that size, of that magnitude in our waters, right. people, you're foolish to think that because we don't live in the southern part of this country, whether it's Florida, which is a given, or You can even talk about the the Gulf and and, and Louisiana, Texas. They see some really crazy fish down there, big, big sharks. But we have them right here in our backyard. Yeah, no,
1: they're in our home front. And that ties back to what I was saying. The reason why I love shark fishing is because of that mystery. It's because of that one out of ten when it's not a brown or a dusky or even a sand tiger. And it's that, oh, I don't know what this is. This thing's about a spool me species. That's when yeah. it's like, all right, I love sharks, and fish.
0: I'll never lose that for that reason. because no, that's they, why we do it are, every year. I they are the apex predator, and and again, I I do preface I preface a part of this conversation with it's it's all about you know reward and and right. and being able to target like trophy species, but without saying, I mean, we run our own page separate from the fishing hour. Right, um, Jaws Tackle. It was built on shark our original, fishing, yeah. our original shark perspective what of shark us fishing, into the game. And building shark rigs, and and making things to whatever people want. But it, it started with us just tying right. and building our own. Right. shark and rigs we we got to pay homage
1: to that because you know that's what brought us into the game in the sense of not what brought us to fishing. You know, we we grew up different anglers, but neither of us shark fishing is what brought us into fishing. Right, but it's what brought us into you know, the the fishing game in the sense of putting ourselves out on the map, you know. Yeah, and,
0: and, and trying to proof, help out this you know, community. Try, yeah, yeah, trying to
1: show, you know, like, we're here to help out, you know, we want to be part of the Long Island fishing community. Um, so, yeah, we got to pay homage to shark fishing 100%, but like I was saying, it's the mystery of it, which is incredible. And when you go bass fishing, blackfish fishing, uh, togging, I guess you can call it, fluking, whatever, yes, there's mystery, but when you drop a crab down a piling or on a wreck, you you know it's Blackfish. I mean, the mystery is, when's the big one going to bite? Right. Or when you're throwing plugs, when there's a school of bunker, the mystery is, am I going to catch the 50 as opposed to the 35? Right. But it's not necessarily, am I going to get, you know, this elusive bull shark or this King Mac, or not that this King Macros here, but you know what I'm trying to say, like...
0: I mean, there are other, other species. You can catch some kings in some deeper water here. I, I, a yeah, couple. but you know, I'm trying to say, yeah. like,
1: you know, it, it, that in the summer we get these exotics. Like, you know, I was fishing at a spot this summer and the school of bones passed by. And, you know, that end of itself is crazy. And then there's a cobia caught. And it's right. like, that's in, that's the mystery I'm talking about. You know what I'm
0: saying? 100%. And that, what's cool about sharks is when you do hook up, like, you, you talk about the thrill. ones that are, you feel like, oh, this might spool me. The initial run on any shark, and just want to be clear about it. It's true sharks, not dogfish. Yeah, not let's doggies, let's yeah. let's be, be clear. People call dogfish uh, sand sharks yeah, all yeah. the time. And I'm not judging, but that's simply not a shark. Because when you fight a real shark, you'll know what I'm talking about.
1: Right. Even though it's in the shark species, yeah. you know, by scientific purposes. Yeah. Or, you it's know, that's it's just a totally different ballgame. <laughs> that's, that, that's bait. That's for bait for a shark.
0: Right. Um, but... Shark fishing in general, that first initial run is always so invigorating because you have no idea right. whether it's forty pounds or if it's a hundred and forty pounds or even bigger than that. Right. When you get it,
1: those sand tigers, forget about it. I mean well, they don't they run think, a little but differently. That's, but, but that's but that's but that's my point,
0: right? You talk about a sand tiger, a brown shark will pick up your bait and just gone. Right. And you, as you start to catch a few of them, you'll realize you you'll, you'll, touch, you'll, you'll yeah, understand you what bite and what eat is a brown shark, right. versus that sand tiger. That initial bite on a sand tiger, sometimes you don't even see your rod bend. Yeah, they'll just pick up the butt, bait and they'll just be you wandering be around, and, yeah. and, and then around all the of a sudden, sand. when they feel that hook, that's when you feel it gone. And it's right. like, okay, what the fuck could this be? Yeah, you what know? is this? Yeah. So, um, you you, you hit it on the nose though. I I think the thrill is incredible. Um, but in terms of like the trophy species, right, you talk about spring and fall, you touched on blackfish a little (laughs) bit. And, uh, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start this out with saying I'm not a fan because I have grown appreciation. I give you and Chris a lot of credit for, uh, forcing me <laughs> to do that yeah, I mean, listen, to the point where I do have an appreciation for it. But for me, um, I'm always going to be a striper guy over blackfish, considering they have both seasons. But one thing I kind of wanted to get into is is the all-time debate, right? Stripers or blackfish?
1: Yeah, Inshore in this area, I think spring, fall, that's... I mean, you could be targeting other stuff, don't get me wrong, but I think at least for our sake with the guys that we fish with and the area that we fish with and the type of fishing that we do, it comes down to, yo, are we black fishing, or are we throwing plugs for bass? Right. And the way I see it is there's pros and cons to both. I am a big blackfish guy. I love stripers, as I've expressed on the show.
0: Hold on one sec. I just want to hit the...
1: <laughs> <laughs> listen, 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 listen. You can feel how you want, say what you want, you know, call it bias, whatever it is, I don't know, but I am a big fan of catching tog, blackfish, you know, whatever you call them. Yeah. Um, reason being is that their tug is really a drug. I mean, that's with any fish, but yeah. the tug that they give for a fish that size, pound for pound, in I think they are the king um, in the sense of the way they pull that drag, the way they work. You know, the angler, um, it's definitely never an easy catch with the blackfish, whether it's small yeah. or big. Um,
0: so, yeah, my, my only gripe, right, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because, again, I do, right. I do appreciate it, and I won't say that that's not true because 100%, pound for pound, they are fighters. But growing up largemouth bass fishing and fighting blackfish on similar tackle for the most part, it's... Pretty damn similar, aside from the fact that a largemouth bass isn't going to try and run you into the rocks
1: uh-huh. and,
0: and just bury themselves into a point where you have to break off and they know that they have you pinned. Um, Stripe, I mean, largemouth will run into brush or you know whatever structure you caught them on. Um, but a blackfish, in my opinion, has a little more of that intellect in terms of How do we bury ourselves and how do I get to a spot that whatever is pulling against me can't, right? So I will say that they do fight harder in that regard and they they will run for that structure and try and break you off more. But I I really just can't see that it's like you, you look at something like stripers, right? Stripers are so much harder to find. And when you do find them, your chances of hooking up and getting one to bite, in my opinion, is more difficult. There are days that stripers will fucking eat a chicken leg with a hook on it if they're feeding like crazy. But I'm talking about those days where, first of all, when you're fishing on the surf, and we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit. But when you're fishing from land, to locate where these things are because they're always on the move. And then even if you have just one or two fish swimming by rogue, you got to throw something and present it so correctly to lure them to bite. Whereas when you have a blackfish and you're just dropping a piece of a green crab down and you know they're living on the structure that you have marked in your garment or whatever you use, chances are they're going to eat.
1: Right. And this is where... The argument takes a turn, or the debate, I should say. It's not even an argument. I mean, I'm down to catch either, so it's right. Whatever and, you know, yeah, as long as my line is tight, Vin, I'm happy.
0: Vin is a fan of both. He's not. It's not. He's a blackfish guy, and I'm. I'm a striper guy. I am way more of a striper guy. 100%. He does have an appreciation for it, but um, yeah. Go go right ahead. So
1: like the way the argument takes the turn, or again, I said argument. Debate takes the turn. Right is. Okay, so locating them, 100%, that's a check mark for bass. That is 1,000%. More difficult to locate bass. Although bass in general aren't as difficult to locate as other species in comparison to blackfish that hold structure and tend to stay on those pieces for as long as they do until they push out completely. Uh, And some of them don't even push out in general. They're residents. Um, In that sense, striped bass have it. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. There's not a doubt in my mind. You know, it's much easier to find blackfish. Especially when you, like you said, you have those pieces marked. Or you have those, pe- you know, those structures spots, and ideas. Yeah, whatever. You, you know, know, you go to a live. bridge, you can find them. Right. You know, maybe not every bridge, not every piling, but you'll find them. So now, this is where I, I guess, you know, turn the, the conversation, right? So... You talked about artificial throwing those plugs, throwing, you know, and then sometimes they even hit a chicken leg and all that. And they do. And there's times, you know, we've had experiences where there's bass feeding at our feet. And then we've had where we're grinding six hours, seven hours casting. To get a single into bite. Into the dark and we get a single bite. If that, if most of the time, you know, sometimes you get nothing. Sometimes you get one, yeah. you know, and it's not even anything crazy. It's that schoolie that went rogue from the pack. right? And, you know, even that in and of itself is rewarding. Don't get me wrong. But... Blackfish virtually don't touch plugs, right? Yep. You know, I mean you snag one, that's a different store, but that's not they're not court, gonna hunt you know what I'm down a plug. They're not gonna it. hunt down and eat it, right? So the argument now becomes refined into bait, right? So if you wanna fish for blackfish, you need some sort of crab, crustacean, something of that nature. A clam, you know, that gives off that scent, that bait. It's legit right. bait, you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily need to be a whole crab, or a chunk, whatever piece. When you drop that piece down, and it gets munched. Literally, munched is the perfect term because that's exactly how they bite it. They bite it as if it's a, you know, a chip or, uh, you know, you're starving, you bite into a sandwich. It's just like a boom, you know, there's no other way to put it, right? And once that happens and you set that hook, that's where, in my opinion, we can have this debate because the fight, pound for pound... When you fight when you're fighting a blackfish and you're pulling it up 50 feet of water, 60, sometimes 90, 100 feet of water, as opposed to a bass. The fight is completely different, and that's where my appreciation for them plays because right. they dig as opposed to a bass pulling out you know, drag it's I'm pulling just it out, run away from right. you rather than where, run back to the bottom. right. Whereas the tog is. Digging down because he wants to go back to his home, you know, that or that big female wants to go back to the male to continue mating. Because most of the time when you're catching them, you know, you're getting them in those feeding frenzy windows. They're fired up. And the other thing with blackfish, which a lot of people, unless you fish for blackfish consistently, you know, you don't really grasp this understanding is that you got to build a bite. A lot of times you pull up to a piling or piece of structure that you have marked and they're there and you drop a crab down and the little ones will start, start. to pick mm-hmm. and gnaw at it right and a lot of times guys are like damn there's only little ones whatever and they either give up on the spot or they keep pushing but we've had a lot of experiences you know where we pull up to that spot where we where we fish and we start getting those picks and then boom keeper comes in and then a, a bigger keeper and then, okay, another short. And then, boom, another keeper. And then and, it's just every drop. And then it's just every drop. You're getting slammed. Yep. And you're getting either pulled into rocks or you're pulling these fish up. Or you got to literally retire leaders because of how much wear and tear they put down on you. And that's where I really focus my argument. It's, it's because building the like finding the blackfish isn't hard. Getting them to bite isn't necessarily difficult once you start to create that bite. It's pulling them out of the rocks. Pulling them up. Landing them. Especially those keeper size ones, you can almost tell off the bat. Yeah. At least the way I set my drag, and a lot of other guys that I fish with, the way we set our drags. Yeah, just if zzz, it pulls zzz, consistent, yeah. you know, okay, this guy's got shoulders. If it pulls once or twice, it's,
0: and you bully him up a little yeah, bit, you kind of tell right on those first couple it's cranks. It's
1: size. And, and
0: to, size to your fish. point of, you know, getting that bite going and and staying on them and getting you know, getting the next one to eat. Let's say. Um I will also add to that the the sense of being able to stay on them, right. If you're a captain or you're just on your boat or you're with whoever, there is skill in struct in, in staying over that structure that's holding those fish because right. if you move you know 10, 15 yards a, a certain direction and that bite is concentrated in that one spot and they're living on this, one sunken thing or 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 a rock structure you move 15 yards away and now there's not a single bite so positioning that boat and staying on top of them i will give the credit now my only gripe with that perspective because like you said you you can't get them to eat artificial so in fairness Right. I think a, that just gets nullified from the plug, you know. Yeah. But I think that's such an important point to highlight with the striped bass because there is no building a bite. Even if you are fishing chunks, it's just you're you're lucky if one of that one of those bass smells out that bait and he comes and tracks it down and eats it. And then if he eats that, the next bass, yeah, maybe he picked up on the scent. But as soon as that scent or that bait's out of the water, they just keep it moving. Whereas those blackfish are going to stay on that structure because that's their home.
1: Right. And I understand that. But to your point, though, you know, what about the guys that you take clam bellies and you hang them off the back of the boat on clam pots, you know, and then you're fishing clam bellies and you're letting them drift into the chum slick. You're kind of building that bass bite. Yes, you need to be in a general area where bass will flock to that chum slick. Right. Right. And I understand that you can't be doing that, you know, maybe in certain times of the year. You can't be doing that, let's say, in the very back bays. Yeah, yeah, As opposed to the ocean front. Like, you need to be in the strike zone or at least, you know, in that pass-through zone to get them to flock to the chum slick. But they're almost hanging around the same areas as the blackfish. They'll be in that in general. This, in the sense of, you know, the pilings, the structure. Um,
0: right.
1: You know, so that's where... You can get almost like that. There's been days where we've caught bass and blackfish. And you can get that, you know, live action. Like, okay, this fought like this, this fought like that. Right.
0: And, and and in your defense, right, maybe you're not building a bite with the striper. But the easier part of that is if you get one to eat your chunk. Right. And that second one does smell. That's what bait. I was trying to get at. Now when they, you can get three, Now you're throwing artificial. And right. because they're in the area... You, you cast out a 30, 40-yard, 50-yard bomb, and now you're covering that entire section of right. the water column. You know, now, now any of those bass that are any, what nearby pick up on that vibration, right. and they're going to eat. So
1: now, to present you with this argument, if, if or debate, I, get, I keep saying argument, but it's always a friendly debate. Like yeah. I said, both of our lines are tight. We're happy. don't matter what it is, um, as long as we're not stuck in the rocks while we're blackfishing. Right. <laughs> but
0: amount of rigs so
1: yeah forget about it but <laughs> let's say now we're out oceanfront right and it's that fall spring you know ocean movement of bass that migration let's just we'll make it even easier that fall run where there's 40 30 you know old overslice bass sitting in that pod devouring bunker where yeah. all you need to do is net a few bunker drop them down live and it's, and case. it's over right and now in the same scenario, you're also going to a wreck, you know, a jetty, uh, a structure of rocks, wherever. And you're taking a, a crab, you're cutting it in half, and you're dropping it down. Whole crab, whatever, whatever your your method, of your preference of method is. And you're dropping it down. When you are fishing a similar method, in the sense that blackfish aren't going to eat bunker and, you know, bass could eat crab, but whatever. You're fishing that drop down method, that drop the bait down where you know there's fish present. You know, at that point, do you still think it's difficult, more difficult to catch that bass? I, that's where I truly think that blackfish wins—not nine out of ten times. You know,
0: when, I you know. mean, yeah, but at the same time, it just goes back to my original perspective of if you find where they're living, and you're dropping bait down, and you do take the time, you spend your 20, 30 minutes just building that bite, it's relatively automatic. And although yes, you could catch bunker and you're finding those pods of 30, 40 fish that are eating, there are days that if those bunker are present and if you're hook, if you're snagging a bunch of them, and you're bringing them up to the boat, there are days that a striper will be like, "I don't want your half dead bait when I could just hunt this fresh one down." And that's the importance of guys. We 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 emphasize it like. Keep your baits fresh, especially if you're fishing live. If there's bunker around, always switch your baits out.
1: They're going to want the king of the crop. Yeah, they're
0: going to want the the primary suspect. Where if you're talking about blackfish, it's not even like you have to drop down a full crab or a fiddler crab that's going to be giving you a lot of action. They'll
1: eat fucking anything. Any type of crustacean. I mean, it's got to be relatively fresh in the sense that it it can be be rotten.
0: Right, it has to be fresh bait, but. You're cutting a crab in half and just dropping a piece of it down versus a striper if there's full bunker in the area and then you take you snag one of those bunker, bring it up to the boat, and then you cut that up into chunks and you drop it down four to ten times delete the chunk. Yeah. But if you're dropping a whole whole bunker that's live and fresh, maybe you have a point. But what I'm
1: saying is when you drop that piece of bait down or that whole bunker or whatever, eel even whatever you know you're using and the hook comes in contact with the bass's mouth you set that hook and it's dug in there and then you drop the crab down you set that hook and the blackfish is you know it's dug in the blackfish's mouth the blackfish in my opinion 9 out of 10 times has a greater chance yes of getting off that hook I'll whether it's to that. be stuck or not to be and if you if You're the bass gets off after you hook I'm up, I'm saying once the the the, the hookup, you know, yeah. you, it's not just the oh, I'm getting a bite. The hook It's, is the, set. it's yeah. set. I think personally that when you do if that bass that you do lose because it happens to everybody, it's more so the fault of your gear or your tactic as opposed to the fish necessarily bullying you. bullying you. Right. Whereas the blackfish no matter what gear you're using, always has that opportunity to escape you because he can go back into that hole or she can go back right. and a you know, onto like that, that pit that, that she was mating on.
0: Right, so simply if, if you're fishing... Or there's a nick in your line, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, if your line is good and you're fishing heavy enough line and your leader's tied right and you hook up to a bass and your leader's rated for that fight, you're not putting too much drag on them. you're letting him play, yes, then a striper, in my opinion, would probably be a little easier in that sense.
1: Right. And that's the argument but, that I really focus in on because absolutely hundred thousand percent. When you're plugging for a bass and there's not a bass in sight, that's and you gotta work I'm getting it. That, right. And I and I give you that and you know, a hundred times out of a hundred because I've been there too and you know, you know, we both been there and I understand my initial point or my focus point my focal point of this argument is when the hook is buried.
0: Is the is the fight. Even
1: and, if the hook is buried on a plug. I feel, as opposed to a circle hook, either ways, when the hook is buried in the bass's mouth, not that it's a dumb deal, but it's easier to bring that
0: fish. Plugs are just a little different depending on the size of the bass too, though. True. I mean, they swallow it sometimes. Yeah, if they're swallowing it. Or or even if you're fishing, like if you have a a big hook on a small fish and it's it's too big for them even to get their mouth fully around, you lose fish like that all the time. Or even on the other side of that, if you're fishing too small of hooks or and you're fishing a a small plug and you can't bury it, those big bass, the inside of their mouth, they're like, yeah, screw you. See you later. Yeah. Um, So uh, to that point, I will agree. But I will stand by the perspective that in every other facet of finding and tracking them down and having a successful day of fishing, I think finding stripers and being able to hook up and have a day like, I'm talking about a day. It's it's harder in almost every other category.
1: I think so when they're not migrating.
0: When they're not migrating. I right. think when you I'm catch not, them
1: in that migratory state, but I think it's fair Of game. course.
0: But that's like saying any species, if you pull no, up 100%. on 30 or 40 of them. It just happens that when stripers are migrating, they're, they're moving by right. the hundreds or the thousands. And when you get over them, I mean, we don't have to tell people. But right. you go out by the Pink Hotel off of uh, Long Beach or you go up... Out of Fire Island or yeah, whatever, any inlet
1: in the spring, during the spring, spring or, or fall, fall,
0: you're you're gonna find them, right. and that's just because of where we live. But um, I, I I'm saying more so about just to, like your point of when you hook up and speaking about that specific application, I'm talking about finding those early season big bass, yeah, those, those big jumbos and those those solo swimmers that are not in those. Big pods, or even if it's not a big bass, and there's like March of last year, we yeah. our first night of the year, um, I think we hooked up to three as a group total. Four. 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 as a group total. And we worked for six hours for four fish. Yeah. And, I mean, that's fishing, right? But they were all teenage size, 32-inch, 14, 15-pound bass. Yeah. Uh, thir- maybe 34 was the biggest one. Um. So there it's not even necessarily just those lone rogue bass at times sometimes just those teenage those teenage fish and that those pre-season conditions when the water's cold and they're not in full yet that stuff is just that requires so much skill in getting to them we talk about moving around right like being from the shore you're so limited and i, I do give the the surf fishermen so much credit because you could only do as far as you could walk, and, and what fence you could climb, or, or rock how far walk. you could
1: wade out, and
0: and and you know. and that's where the credits do is because that that those fish you talk about the the other side of the debate is the boat versus the surf guys. The there's which is there's pros and cons to to both of them, and and strengths and weaknesses. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but. The guys that are on the surf and they're they're moving all over the island, or they're going to Jersey, or they're going up to Connecticut, or they're fishing out of New Rochelle and Westchester, or they're going to the Bronx, or they're making their way up to the Raritan and it, or up the Hudson River, mm-hmm. like just to find those four bass that we we experienced on the first day of last year. That's that's the grind, and for me finding blackfish, I I could tell you two or three spots that I could drive about 15 20 minutes and from the shoreline perspective they're they're going to be under that dock for 3 weeks every single year right. no matter what.
1: So, not to prolong this argument but or debate. Debate mm-hmm. again. But necessarily when you're fishing for blackfish or I'm sorry, I should use the term angling cuz really that's what this debate comes down to. Yeah. Finding them Hundred percent striped bass win, yeah. At least maybe not a hundred, but ninety percent striped bass win because of yeah. that migratory will take ten percent off. Mm. Angling them—that's fair. That's where I say blackfish win, because finding them is relative relative to the fish. The fish they migrate at a faster pattern, at a faster rate. They go in more, and you know, in a greater indifference of areas. You find them by marsh, you find them by rocks, you find them in sand. You know, you find, depending where the year are, is where they're going. And yes, as an angler, you should know that. Or at least get an understanding of it. Because, you know, nobody knows everything
0: about where they're right. going. Not but even they know gonna, sometimes. That's going to enhance your success. And that's going en- to, exactly. Out if you can, if you can
1: figure out that pattern, mm-hmm. you're going to have better success. But essentially, what they're doing is they're chasing down bait. Right? So, if you find the bait, you find the fish. And that doesn't necessarily mean that... You know, you're necessarily as good as an angler as somebody who is targeting blackfish who, yeah, they know where they are, but their catch rate at bringing in keepers, those commercial guys, those guys who just love targeting them, that they just go out every morning and, you know, go after them or every whatever, every weekend, every time they get a shot, whether it's on the boat or the pier and, you know. Finding them, like I said, bass wins. But when you come down to the actual angling of it, yeah. I think the blackfish has the upside because when it comes down to putting the fishermen to the test, the blackfish provides them with pound for pound. Of course, you know I'm not yeah. talking a uh, short a blackfish against blackfish, a forty pound right? uh, striper. You know you're that's, talking about. I'm talking quick, you know, you, know pound, you take a ten, 10 pound blackfish a fish
0: versus a forty pound striper. Yeah, yeah. or
1: even you know whatever thirty five pound striper, it's. I'm not taking away from the bass fight because they do fight hard but it gets to a point where it's like okay this fish is tiring out I know I have the upside whereas when you're fishing with a blackfish until you see him in the net it's never over yeah, and I've you... had experiences where we brought him up to the boat and he's, gone. and he's gone and then you gotta bring him right back up again
0: and I agree with that in full so we'll we'll leave it at stripers in terms of navigation they right. have the badge and in terms of angling, the I'll, I'll probably give it to the, the blackfish. Right.
1: And I mean, the, these are all on terms that are interchangeable. in right. Scenarios that are interchangeable. You can't compare a, a, you know, a four-pound blackfish to, to a, a striper, a 30-pound striper in exactly. three feet surf. Oranges, yeah.
0: right. um, but the one thing that I will say about um, striped bass is the the angling by no means is for a chump like you have no, to be ready you have you to know what, what he's going to do into, but right. we're just talking solely from the perspective of when you get that bite and you feel that fish and if right. you know what you're doing you've, you've caught a couple of them a blackfish is a little more unpredictable that he's going to run to the bottom but unpredictable of which direction or more where erratic he's going to take the way you digs and, right. and
1: i mean as me as an angler too when i'm fishing for bass my anticipation my not even anticipation my 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 i don't even know another word to say but i get more jittery when i cast my plug out and i'm working it back because i'm always waiting for that bite
0: yeah and it's about the set right, right and it's
1: about that set and that and after that fish is set and i got and i'm reeling him in for x amount of seconds or you know whatever and he's done pulling his drag or she's done pulling the drag that's when I start to calm down, take a deep breath, and I understand that nine times out of ten I could bring this fish in.
0: But the other side of that, and it's really important to emphasize, and and we really emphasize this to everybody listening. When it, that doesn't mean that you don't have to spend the time understanding that bite and how they do fight, because it's no walk in the park in the sense that have yeah, lost some them in rocks. I've lost some fish everywhere. will run to they'll run to rocks, or I I even. I'm just saying from the simple fact that some of them will swim towards you and you have to catch up to your right, slack. Right. They do um, that a lot too. And, and that's they what do makes a lot of too. that. So there are certain applications How many and cer- times
1: does the bass die out? Not to cut you off right. but it dies out from its fight and you're like shit I just lost it. You loosen up on your everything. And drag then you tighten up. all the way up and, and then, then he's still on right. and then
0: he gives you one last gun and you're like okay And, and then,
1: then he's out because he already dug a, 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 hole, a hole in, in his, his mouth. mouth from the hook.
0: So from that perspective that's that's one thing about angling a bass in their change of direction and how they might come towards you, whatnot that I think a blackfish, you're almost always going to stay tight to in terms of slack because rarely will they swim towards the boat off the bottom, right? They're going to constantly swim towards the bottom and you could kind of feel which direction they're going to go, what they're burying, um, where they're burying themselves or how they're doing it um, is, is a different discussion. But the bass is uh, 100% in terms of change of direction, speed, and yeah. when they're going to pull That no, I, to, to that point. I think it's. I,
1: I agree with you with that. And it's like I said, this is to be taken lightly on both sides of the debate because it becomes a scenario. Um, you know, you could say, oh, well, what about when they do this? And, you know, at the yeah, end of the day, there's, there's all different There's always different right? variables and layouts. But just like from, we an, said, overall from an overall, from an overall holistic look at it, for somebody who hasn't caught either or hasn't caught, you know, one and caught the other, whatever, you know, you may be biased. You may lean towards one side. But I honestly feel that this year and last year as well, I got a fair shot at both of them, especially from the boat, uh, from the surf, not so much as on Blackfish. Um, but on the boat, I got a shot equally at both of them, and that's why I feel like I have enough background on both sides, both of us do, yeah. Um, to get the argument that we've had. Like, there's a lot of guys out there shaking their head like, oh, look at this fool backing up the blackfish, because all they do is fish for bass off the surf, right? and there's a lot of guys who are commercial blackfishers, like, why would you even compare the way a bass fights, because they don't care, you know, they're not fighting the bass. I mean, we know some commercial blackfishers,
0: (laughs) Chris, but... (laughs) We not not even Chris, but a lot of his his buddies and and you know people he fishes with. They, they'll even go as far as they only want to chase blackfish. They don't like catching. Not that they don't like it. They'll catch bass. Right. But they'll for wait them, for that migratory right, bass it, it, to come it, it, through. And they're it gets it gets in, played not. out quicker for them when they could go out and do it every single day. So. Again, I'm I'm a striper guy. I I always will be, and I said before, like more of an appreciation. I don't even think that's the right way to put it because you you love them and love protecting them as much as nah, I do. Yeah, it's not
1: to say that I don't like bass. It's but... just
0: for, even for me, from somebody that used to be so gung ho on stripers or it, and that's that's all I want to chase. That's all I want to do. I'm never spending a day on the water in the fall going blackfishing when I could chase these things down. There's also different days with different opportunities there are days that are way better black fishing days than striper days and and the same thing on the other side so for for the striped bass though i would say i definitely take the pinnacle for me but with the amount of time and i appreciate you putting me on and and showing me certain sides of that fishery that i really wasn't able to consume on my own because it was just Going to Green Island or going yeah, and to one I of mean, these piers and just dropping down. And that was the extent of it. Um, I've really, especially the ocean ball game and being out on the boat, you really could start to see why people love these fish so right, much right. and dedicate so much time to catching them.
1: And I mean, to those who dedicate their fishing career to, or every fishing outing to catching bass, it's not to take away from anything that you do because... It is a great species of fish. A lot of people have mixed opinions, you know, on um, where they rank them or, and, you know, their favorites list. There's guys who are fanatics. There's guys who could care less. And honestly, I find myself to be, you know, I love bass. I love catching all types of fish as do as does Mark. And yeah. when you're fishing, you're fishing, right? End of the day, your line's Tug tight. A drug. Whatever you say, I don't care if I put a fish that's pulling drag, you're going to be excited, whatever it is. Um but yeah, it really just comes down to a preference at that point. That's not to say that I'm not a big bass guy. I know I'm arguing against them in in this in this debate, but yeah. if you put a, if you give me like, you know, I got a whole bag full of plugs waiting in my trunk right now because I'm just dying itching to get that bite. So it's not like, you know, I'm not here looking for them, you know.
0: And it's it's honestly whatever floats your boat. Right. If uh, if you find a passion for one of them and that's your thing, like no one's judging you. Don't listen to any of the noise that's in this community. Um, feel free to do whatever makes you happy, just like anything else in life. Um, just because you're fishing in the Northeast doesn't mean that you have to be a striper angler, although that's why people travel here. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, and and, listen, there is a lot of areas here where he bass is the pinnacle capital fish and that's not to take away from it, but right. But you,
0: you know. don't have to be a bass fisherman is all I'm getting at. You, no, if, if, I think the word are your thing. Right.
1: Then, I think the words bass fishermen put, um, A title that don't necessarily need to be placed on a lot of anglers. Because there are guys who are strictly bass fishermen. Like, they genuinely will not target other species. They only fish artificial. And for those guys that do it, God bless. Keep doing what makes you happy. But there's also guys who are just fishermen, period. Like myself. Like you. Yeah. Like a bunch of other people that we fish with. Who are just looking to catch the most optimal species At the present given given time, time. Mm -hmm. and I think that's where I weigh myself in on the type of fisherman that I am, the type of fisherman that we are, that we fish like the guys that we fish with. I think we're just all optimal fishermen.
0: You know, what's gonna give me the best? What's gonna give me the best?
1: We all have favorites. You know, our buddy Chris is a big tuna guy. He loves fluke. He also loves blackfish. Not that big of a striper fan. Right. Mark loves stripers. Buddy also is growing an appreciation for blackfish fluke. You know, we gave yeah. Tuna a few ch- shots this year, something that we didn't necessarily do as much in the previous years. Myself, you know, I found a, a big chase this year for going after Albies, something that I never really yeah. looked into before, whereas this year I, I gave it a good, hard try. It wasn't successful, but in a way that's good because it builds fuel for next year.
0: And it's it's also ever-expanding. Like, don't be like, because I'm on Team Bass, I can't right. open myself up to op- other opportunities. I mean, I know there's guys out there that have tried it, and if if you've done both, then by all means, you have a, a valid opinion. But if you're if you've never experienced one of the one or the other, to just have a hard stance on it without going to try it, I suggest you just open up your horizon a little bit, go do something that's a little unconventional for you. Um, you know, we talk about guys. You said Chris likes to do. X, Y, and Z, but stripers aren't like his necessarily favorite thing. Chris obviously right, still has a But if you ton put a striper fun. on his line, he's right. going to be happy. But about then it. you look at kids like uh, Viverito, I'll give him a shout out. He's stripers are, right, although he does soul, all the fishing right. he does in, and he's in Florida and all the shit and, and trout. And and, but he, stripers are, are the pinnacle to him. And if he, if it's a fall day and it's it's possible, he'll take the thirty percent striper chance over the seventy percent blackfish chance any right, day of the week. Right. And And there's nothing wrong with it. absolutely. But make sure that you've experienced both, and if you haven't, open up your horizons to to try on a little bit of everything to kind of dial in and figure out what type of angler you are and and what you will enjoy most in in your spring and fall.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think it's a good time now, you know, given that we broke this down between blackfish bass, and we're closing in on the hour. You know, we're approaching that fishing hour time. fishing hour. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, I think we close it out here with a little friendly, you know, top favorites uh, like we usually do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I know we talked about plugs last week. And we talked about them specific or not so specific to a species, but more specific to, you know, a general aspect of fishing in yeah, like the New York waters. what's in your waters, bag, right. What's in your bag. So, now let's play a, a little bit of an advancement on that and say what's in your bag when you're striper fishing. I'm not going to say that right. about blackfish because we discussed that.
0: So all There right. is no blackfish bag. Because we could probably dedicate a whole episode to so the conversation. just the real quick, conversation I'm yeah. telling
1: you Mark you walk into XYZ and X, gra- y, Z, grab bait one and tackle, plug and how am I fishing One it? plug, how are you fishing it, you say?
0: Yeah, I would say a Joe Sworder. Okay, I, I saw <laughs> and, that coming. And <laughs> I know you know that. Um, guys, I, I've I've really grown a passion for the Swarter over the last couple of years um i used to fish sp minnows uh, i've tried the hydro minnows i've tried all kinds of the glide baits and different subsurface presentations like that but for me the way that a bags swims um when you're retrieving it and what i like to do personally is i i cast out as far as i can like Wetzel always says, if you, no matter how far you're casting, it's not far enough. And as far as you can is, is the best you can do, obviously, but you want to bomb it out as far as you can. And then on my retrieval, depending on if I'm in open water or if I'm in the back bays or canals or if I'm f- fishing any of those tributaries that run out of the inlets, I find myself uh, changing that cadence up a little bit but i'm always incorporating some sort of a twitch. Now, if i'm in fast water, my retrieve picks up just to match the current. You you want to always make sure that your bass or your plug is replicating something that would swim, right? You're not going to if you're a fish and you're swimming through a bridge that's sweeping substantially you're not gonna be just moving slow with a slow roll. If you're a fish and you're open water, just trying to run for either sidewall on the end of the bridge, you're gonna be gunning through there, trying to get to structure as fast as you can. And if you're a hurt fish, you're gonna be twitching. So faster water, I'll, I'll reel, I'll reel, and I'll, I'll try and you sometimes what I cast out, and back to uh, Chris giving me this tip earlier this year that really worked for me, um, Sometimes I'll just cast out and the very first, and this goes for soft plastics too, but the very first retrieve, I'll let it hit the water and then I just give it like one, two, three power cranks. Just like one, as if a fish just jumped out of the water and then now he landed back down and now he's just twitching a little bit because he just got stunned. For me, if there's a bass in that nearby area of that cast and then you replicate that twitch directly after that plug hits the water... It looks like something that's actually hurt. And sometimes that's when you get those reaction bites. Yeah,
1: yeah. they want to prey on the
0: weak. Um, and then as I'm retrieving, just based, like I said, on the, the speed of the water or if I'm fishing a seam with current or whatever, I'm matching my retrieve speed to that water. And then I'm incorporating that twitch at different variants, right? So sometimes it's just real, real twitch, real, real twitch. And then... Other times it's completely out of whack. It's real twitch, real, 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 real twitch, 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 real twitch, real twitch, and you want to make it look a little more whack, yeah. you know. So, um, but yeah, if if it's one plug and I, I have the time to figure out the cadence for that area and I could present it differently, that's the one thing I'm probably the most confident in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I kind of have an idea when I ask you this question what you're going to say, but knock yourself out. What do you think is your go-to plug if you're buying one thing off a shelf, you have to go to the water, you have to catch something, and it's all reliable, how are you fishing it?
1: So, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. It's an answer that may have not been my answer two seasons ago, but for me, it's the bucktail. Um big fan of the bucktail especially when you have a grubtail on the back whether it's an otter tail a pork grind whatever you want to use whatever your preference is I'm a big fan of green and white um, just working that bucktail in of itself is a world of a difference between catching and not catching uh, you know there's guys that work it rapid there's guys that work it slow and there's different preferences and all of which whatever you works best for you Continue to go with it. Um, There's been a lot of situations throughout the fall, the spring, even the summer when I'm targeting fluke. Where I'm using the bucktail and I'm changing my cadence of popping. You know, jigging the bucktail. And that's where I'm noticing, okay, this cadence works. This cadence doesn't work. Or they like this. Or they hit this rapid, you know, pop. But they're more likely to really choke the bucktail when it's a, a more moderate, slower pop. Or vice versa, whatever it is, you know, water temp comes into it, species comes into it. But I really was able to hone in on the bass this year a lot on the bucktail. I mean, I had days where I was catching them without even a a chaser tail. Yeah, no You know, just straight hair on the long feather bucktails, and it was working great. Um, Especially when you get into those rocky, uh, you know, peanut bunker. Areas where there's a lot of peanut bunkers swimming in and out of rocks. I'm not even talking only about jetties, just those North Shore rocky spots or those rocky beaches in the South Shore, you know, as you get out east or you go into the Raritan and, and, and you know, there's there's big bunker schools. That's when those, those uh, chaser tails work really well. There's guys that pair the bucktail with the teaser and you double up. That's also great. Can't tell you how many times I've caught on just the teaser because they see the bucktail and they see... That little, yeah, you know, that little spearing looking thing that the teaser simulates, and they they hit that because that's the easy meal, and they think that the Without bucktail is chasing the spearing. At least that's the yeah, way I always thought like about it. Like or if it's like just like a school, yeah, and they're bigger, like that one fish. looks like it's a weaker right. one, and they'll, exactly. they'll run up and
0: chase and hit the teaser.
1: And I think just to close out real quick, the importance of the bucktail and where things get hairy for some people or difficult is. How do you pick your size and your weight of your bucktail? And this is something that I could talk about for an hour, yeah, so half hour. A I could do a whole segment on, on this. But just to leave off with the way I judge it is, honestly, I bring weights of all different sizes from half ounce to... Honestly, I used to stop at two ounces, but now I've even been going to two and a half. If you're rock and hold it, I highly suggest it because there's days out on the surf where the two and a half comes clutch. And then there's days where you just need a half ounce. When you get into those North Shore, South Shore bays. especially if
0: you're fishing off jetties, those yeah, two or and a half, so like, right?
1: And that's where the bigger ones come into play. The lighter ones come into play when you, when you're you know throwing up against a seawall, or you have bass pinned in a certain area. You don't want to spook them. Or you're fishing a, a flat Or on you're sand. fishing a, a yeah. flat by marsh or in sand. So you know, bucktails also are great lure, lure in of itself because of the the way the weight of the bucktail is it presents itself differently. You can use a heavier bucktail and drag it in the sand and simulate an eel or you can use a lighter one and really get that popping motion looking like a peanut bunker that's coming up and off the bottom, you know, or that's getting chased by whatever predator species is attacking it and then the big apex bass in the food chain comes and, you know, attacks swallows that, it. swallows that.
0: Yeah, and, and you're to- talking about the, the, the actual eat itself. It's um, on a bucktail, the eat is amazing. And... I it's think amazing. it's important to emphasize, like, most times, right, when you're popping, right after you pop. Up the fall. On the fall yes. is when you get that ease. Yes. Um, this year, I actually grew a huge passion for the, uh, the Ronzi Zhawk, The Trailhawks. Trailhawks. Yes. and um, Unbelievable. Those, especially in, like, the surf, because they kind of have that, like, needle nose type. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, they if I'm fishing on the surf, they water. cut the water a little bit better and it's it's easier for you to find the bottom, especially on those days where you're like, ah, this is the heaviest thing I have in my bag. Yeah. It's sometimes just the shape. Like bucktails come in all different You, you look at SS, they, they make so many different heads. And even though you might be thinking, oh, yeah, it's just what preferences, there are specific uses for each of them because once you're getting, you, first of all, you want to get that bucktail to the bottom. And then popping up and through a sweeping surf or when you have current, make sure you're using the right head because you're going to want to make sure it hits the bottom. And then you're going to want to make sure that you could cut the water back on the way up in a a fluid motion that makes it look authentic.
1: Yeah, and and like you said, authentic is the key when it comes down to bucktails. You really just want it to look like a fluid cyclical bait. You know, a bay fish that blends in. A lot of times when guys are fishing plugs, you get away with the pause, You get away with the the twitch. And that works really well because of the way they present themselves in the water column. If you leave a bucktail sitting there, you can still get that bite. But if it sits there too long, now it just killed off whatever, however you were working it. So you got to find that sweet spot of pop, pop, sit, pop, pop, sit. It can't just be pop, pop, don't let it sit, forget about it, and then... You know, sometimes that does work. Really, it also depends on what they're feeding on. When they get into that sand eel bite, you can literally just drag it on the floor. I've caught yeah. bass like that, too. No problem. So, that's the bucktail. Just like we mentioned in previous episodes with the epoxy jig, it's so versatile. And that's why it, I think it's it's my go-to so, right now. And
0: the one thing I want to add about the plugs, too. Plugs also, you talk about like a pause. I actually, in my own experience this past season, fish in the Raritan Bay. There were days, and maybe not on like a sworder because sometimes those, those types of things, they'll, whatever, six or seven inch, some of them will like suspend and they'll right. float their way back up slowly. Or if you have like a sinking one, it'll slowly start to drop. But on something like a pencil popper, and well, it's a whole different discussion in itself, but fishing with a pause and slowing it down and something's tracking it, There's a very specific way to make sure that that fish stays on it. But there is, like you said, a too long. Yeah. And if you're fishing a popper, uh, in the Raritan this year, I I noticed one one of the days I was out there, it was a retrieve and I I was popping, popping, popping. And you, you hear guys all the time and they're like, once you see a fish on track, I have... You know, I see the dorsal, I see it swirling and they're following that. A lot of guys will argue, just keep that same retrieve going as if it's a fish or even maybe speed it up a little bit to be like, I'm a fish and I'm in trouble and I'm panicking. And sometimes you get those reaction ambush bites. But you also sometimes if a fish is swirling on you and you're popping, if you just pause for a second as if you're just like a fish that's stunned, sometimes you might be retrieving just a touch too fast. And that pause—you don't want it to be too long, but while it's just that split second that you stop, that gives the fish the time to catch up and sl- slam that thing. Yeah. So again, I agree we talk wrong, about so. cadence from the bucktail to the popper. You want to make sure that you're playing that that down right. long enough, especially on those days that you're not seeing the. Yeah, the when bites. they're
1: blitzing, when they're when they're feeding at will, like nothing is getting in their way from feeding. Yeah. Anything you do, most likely you'll get success. But it's those days when you're working for that spare, you know, or that lone fish, I should say. That's when these cadences come into play. Weight comes into play. Uh, length, you know. There's been plenty of times you catch. You know, you talk about the swatter in of itself. There's a six and the seven. There's plenty of times you throw the seven because that's adult size bunker. And what do you know? They they're only hitting the six. It's right. a, it's a matter of an inch. But why are they hitting the six over the seven? That's what they prefer. Who knows? Who knows? And they work the the, same. They swim the same. Seven's a little heavier, maybe, because it sinks faster. Who knows?
0: Another phenomenon that just adds to uh, the things that maybe we'll never understand. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no.
1: Fishing is one of those things, like we said last episode, fishing is learning, but you also have to learn that some things you just do it because you do it. And and there's not always a rhyme up. or reason. And if something isn't working, and just if it's not working up. today, it might work tomorrow. If it yeah. didn't work tomorrow, it might work the day after. It might not ever work for you, but work for the guy next to you. That's what you right. take away when you have these sessions where. And you might think you that the six, throwing or everything s- in your six bed, six or seven know? inch,
0: like you said, six or seven inch. What's the difference of an inch? Like it that makes a difference. An inch makes a world of a difference. Oh, percent, hundred percent. So, so anyway. anyways, yeah, we're yeah.
1: we're closing out on the show. This is the fishing hour, so we try to keep things to an hour. Uh, we're a little bit over that mark, but yeah. it's okay. All good things.
0: Yeah, and, and I appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. Um, I know I say it every time, but we appreciate the, the feedback we really we've appreciate. been getting. It seems like this is providing some insight for some people. You guys are really just chiming in and, and giving us things that, to talk about and, and expressing some some good perspectives on what we talk about. So we appreciate that. Um as yeah, always, you could hit us up on uh, Instagram. We Took have the words out of my mouth. yeah we, we have a uh, we have an Instagram, the Fishing Hour underscore Pod. And uh, if you guys want to chat, or if you feel like you could be um, a, a big part of this show and contribute to any of these conversations, feel free to give us a shout, and we'll be welcoming you with open arms. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. We had already a few people. You know, tune in and say, oh, you know, we love this. We want to hear more about this. So, please, don't hesitate. If there's something that you're curious about, something that you're interested in, anything. You know, yeah. shoot it our way. We're, we're all ears. Like we said, uh, you could reach us on the gram, fishing hour underscore pod. Like Mark said, you want to check out Joe's tackle, as we were mentioning. Yep. You know, you could shoot us a DM there, too. You see
0: something you like. Any rigs you guys want. We could tie anything. 100%. Anything. So, so thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you next week. Stay tight, everyone.